The COVID-19 pandemic is having an alarming impact on the informal economy. Six out of 10 working people in the world make their livelihoods in the informal economy, mostly performing unprotected and precarious work. They are the most numerous and the most vulnerable population in the global labor market. ILO Director General Guy Ryder highlights the enormous scope of the challenges faced by informal workers today. Of the 2 billion informal workers of the world, about 1.6 billion have suffered massive damage to their ability to earn a living and to support themselves and their families uh, because of the current uh, COVID-19 crisis. Concretely, we've seen that in the first month of the crisis uh, that we estimate a drop of 60, 60 percent in the income of informal workers around the world. That's the global average. And if you break it down regionally, well, Africa and the Americas are the hardest hit, and there the drop in informal uh, economy incomes is in excess of 80%. Today, we're talking with Mito Sukamoto, who's in charge of the development and investment branch of the ILO's Employment Policy Department. We asked Mito to elaborate on the crisis facing informal economy workers and what the ILO is proposing to do about it. Mito, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here and to be able to put the COVID pandemic and responses into the context of what this means for informal economy workers. To begin, um, can you give us some information on the impact of the pandemic on informal economy workers and how it is affecting their daily lives and livelihoods? Sure, Tom. The pandemic is having a major impact on informal workers and their families. The ILO estimates that almost 1.6 billion informal economy workers have been significantly impacted by the COVID pandemic. Women and young workers are the most vulnerable. But what does this mean? Many informal workers live in overcrowded urban areas or in rural areas where basic infrastructure and health services are often lacking. Many are often ill-informed of the risks of COVID and are more prone to occupational health and safety risks. Low wages and inequalities are a daily reality for many. But at the same time, the pandemic has brought many of these issues to light so that they can no longer be ignored. So what about the underemployed, working poor and casual workers? Before talking about the pandemic and its impact on informal workers, I think it's important to look at the informality before COVID-19 and the pandemic. The more than 2 billion workers in the informal economy, who actually represent 62% of all those working worldwide, already face serious challenges to their livelihoods, access to clean water, food, and other issues. The pandemic has just illuminated their existing reality and worsened the already dire social economic situation. At the same time, the recent violence and demonstrations in several countries show the levels of discontent and mistrust and that social cohesion cannot be maintained if lack of opportunity, particularly for youth and women, lack of contact and interactions across different social groups, and existence of grievances over inequality and social injustice are not dealt with properly. The ILO has drawn attention to the special vulnerability of women and youth, especially young women working in the informal sector. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Sure. In general, women are more exposed to informality in both low and lower middle income countries and tend to find themselves in more vulnerable situations than their male counterparts. Women, especially those in the care economy or with care responsibilities, have been impacted 
Plus, we have also seen a rise in domestic violence during this pandemic, which is primarily affecting women. Women have less income, they tend to have saved less, have less secure jobs, and are most likely to be employed in the informal economy with less access to healthcare and social protection. Plus, their unpaid care work has increased exponentially with an increase in homeschooling and the need to care for the elderly in response to COVID-19. Regarding youth, prior to the pandemic, some 67.6 million young people were unemployed. The latest ILO reports indicate that a staggering 267 million young people aged 15 to 24 were not in employment, education, or training. Now, one in six youth have also lost their jobs. Among young people, young women are more impacted than young men. Gender equality and young women's rights are more essential than ever. One of the phenomena of the current crisis is the emergence of the so-called double casualties. These are workers who have already been facing severe challenges to their livelihoods prior to the onslaught of the pandemic. What are the particular challenges facing these people? So as COVID-19 spreads to low-income countries, strong and immediate support needs to be mobilized for the working poor and for the unemployed, especially in the informal economy. Millions of working poor are already in situations of fragility and are therefore at risk of becoming what we call double casualties. If you look at the fragility that some countries are having to cope with, it's actually more than a double casualty. Many working poor are already struggling with their impact of armed conflict, political insecurity, climate change, and increasing natural disasters. They face weak institutions and very little or no fiscal space. Natural disasters, such as earthquakes, cyclones, volcanic eruptions, and tornadoes, add to the difficulty of dealing with the pandemic. After all, how can people observe social distancing in shelters and maintain hygiene and sanitation? And how can refugees and migrants living in cramped camps or detention centers cope with additional trauma? This is the tragedy of double casualties. The ILO has a long history of helping governments generate jobs and increase income through public investments in infrastructure and environmental works. The ILO's Employment Intensive Investment Program has provided capacity building for approaches that create jobs through public investments in over 50 countries. How is this program being adapted now, and can you provide some concrete examples of this kind of response to the pandemic? Sure. In countries with insufficient fiscal space, weak social protection systems, and large numbers of informal workers, the pressures on governments to respond will be um, enormous. Many of these countries have sought guidance from the ILO on how to respond. Through its Employment Intensive Investment Program, the ILO links infrastructure development with employment creation, poverty reduction, and local economic and social development. In the response to the pandemic, some countries have also been able to scale up existing national public employment programs as part of counter-cyclical employment policies, rather than having to design or develop new emergency programs under incredible pressure. We've seen this work effectively in countries like India's Mahatma Gandhi National Rural Employment Guarantee, um, Ethiopia's Productive Safety Net Program, and South Africa's Expanded Public Works Program. Also in countries like Iraq, Jordan, and Lebanon, the ILO is conducting rapid assessments on the impact of COVID-19 on their labor markets with a focus on refugee, migrant, and national workers employed in the informal sector. Digital outreach and learning for workers in various sectors and occupations is also being leveraged in order to introduce more online learning and awareness raising initiatives. 
The ILO has been a forerunner also in Green Works, offering employment-intensive approaches to delivering essential infrastructure developments such as irrigation, flood control, rural transport, agriculture, water and soil conservation, and reforestation. How is this being implemented now that we're in the midst of this pandemic? So governments are already investing trillions of dollars to rescue businesses and support income. But this must not lead to return to business as usual, nor get back to what we had considered as normal. We need to build a better normal, one that addresses the extraordinary precariousness and injustices of our world of work as it is today. The COVID-19 pandemic has exposed the strong interconnections between human health, the natural environment, and employment. Ultimately, our health and prosperity depend on a healthy planet. An immediate consequence of the destruction of ecosystems is a risk to jobs and livelihoods that depend directly or indirectly on them. Therefore, in the process of recovery, it is essential that government seize this opportunity to build back better through a just transition to environmental sustainability, a transition which is both for the planet and people. For example, green works such as reforestation and forest restoration offer job opportunities to enhance the resilience of ecosystems and the people and jobs that depend on them. These approaches introduced by the ILO combine and optimize the use of local labor, local materials, local contractors, local authorities, and local communities, increasing the overall impact of investment on the local economy. ILO has worked introducing such schemes in countries like the Philippines, Indonesia, Jordan, and Sri Lanka. So overall, what are the ILO's basic policy recommendations, both in the short term and looking ahead to longer term interventions to ensure sustainable solutions? So our responses must aim to counteract immediate labor market disruptions while facilitating a job-rich recovery, particularly through four policy pillars. The first one, stimulating the economy and the employment. Second, supporting enterprise jobs and incomes. Third, protecting workers in the workplace. And finally, relying on social dialogue for solutions. There are three key areas of focus that one should also keep in mind. First, focus on employment-intensive investments in the recovery that can further stimulate demand and job creation, compensating for the lack of private sector and household spending. Second, focus on activities that have a large share of local inputs, creating local multipliers, and that may be able to absorb workers from other sectors relatively easily. And third, provide the foundations to building back better through inclusive and sustainable development, including environmental objectives or improved access, to basic infrastructure and services for the poor, including schools, healthcare, and digital infrastructure, and also access to water and productive schemes to be able to ensure food security. This will require better global cooperation and strong multilateralism, especially in support to LICs and LDCs through Jobs for Peace and Resilience, these countries that simply do not have the fiscal space to respond to the crisis. You know, it's really all about building a better normal through shared responsibility and global solidarity. Thank you very much, Mito, for that very comprehensive and interesting overview of the crisis facing the majority of the workers in the world today. What is clear is that in this initial phase, we are looking at ensuring that the unemployed or vulnerable have a safety net. But it's also important to see how we can build back better, as you say, and link our short-term response to longer-term sustainable solutions. We already have many of the tools we need. Now is the time to put them to work to get the job done. I'm Tom Netter, and you've been listening to the new ILO podcast series on global solutions to the COVID-19 employment challenge. Thank you for your time.